Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Film Etc., the only movie review podcast you need in life. My name is Mike Webb. I'll be your host. And if you guys are new to the show, I basically review the new releases of the week and grade them on a scale from 0 to 10. This week, it'll be very interesting, though. It'll also be the most difficult one as well, because one of the movies that I'm covering this week, I got to watch it all the way back at a at a film festival last fall virtually. And it's going to be interesting to see what are my thoughts and all that. But the movies that I'm covering this week are Disney's Jungle Cruise, starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, which is based off of the Disneyland ride. The Matt Damon drama Stillwater from director Tom McCarthy, who was also at the helm of the Oscar winning Spotlight. And Nine Days, which is an indie drama which stars Winston Duke, Zazie Beetz, Bill Skarsgård, and Benedict Wong. That's the movie that I watched all the way back in the fall of last year. But anyway, guys, let's get this episode rolling. Before we begin, in case you guys are new to the show or just need a little bit of refresher, I do want to leave you all with a warning. I am autistic. I've been diagnosed with high-functioning autism since I was four. So you may hear the way I phrase my words. It can be off. It, it can get jumbled up here and there or whatnot. But I hope you all forgive me. So thank you all for listening, and let's get on to the episode. Jungle Cruise is the latest Disney film to be based on a Disneyland theme park attraction. Yeah. It is directed by Spanish director Jaime Colette Serra, who's perhaps best known for directing horror movies, including the 2005 remake of House of Wax, the 2009 film Orphan, and the 2016 shark film The Shallows, starring Blake Lively, as well as directing the Liam Neeson thrillers Unknown, Nonstop, Run All Night, and The Commuter. He is also directing the upcoming superhero film Black Adam for DC, which also stars Dwayne Johnson. The film takes place in the 1910s where Dr. Lily Howden, played by Emily Blunt, retrieves an ancient arrowhead that could be the key to locating a mythical tree known as the Tears of the Moon in Brazil, in which the petals can cure any illness, heal all injuries, and lift any curse. This also captures the interest of a German aristocrat named Prince Joachim, played by Jesse Plemons, who wants to use the tree's power to aid Germany in the war. From there, Lily and her brother McGregor, played by Jack Whitehall, travel to Brazil where they meet Frank Wolf, played by Dwayne Johnson, a cut-rate river guide who also fakes dangers to tourists. When he reluctantly agrees to, to guide the Houdens to the tree, evil and danger lurk up ahead, not only by the German prince, but also 400-year-old cursed Spanish conquistadors, led by Don Aguirre, played by Edgar Ramirez. It is up to our fellow heroes in search of this mythical tree from um, all this like supernatural and animals alike along the river as well. The film also stars Paul Giamatti and Veronica Falcone. So anyway, <laughs> the way I was describing this movie and all that stuff, it, it sounds like um, it's, it, it's ripping off a bunch of movies that you may or may not have seen before, whether it's like the Errol Flynn movies or the African queen and to some extent, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pirates of the Caribbean, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. This movie was, I mean, this movie was somewhat of a mess, but it's also an entertaining mess in a way. The, I mean, the acting, it's not very good. Let, let's just start off with that. The acting and the story, it's all over the place. It's trying to be like a couple different movies in one. But in actuality, uh, you 
like Dwayne Johnson's character, he is run. He's kind of a rundown captain, just like takes no orders from anybody. He uh, has this like um, CGI Jaguar who just like uh, um, is kind of like a pet on board, something like that. And he he's owed a lot of money to Paul Giamatti's character who plays an Italian stereotype. But I wouldn't call it an Italian stereotype because he G- Paul Giamatti is Italian descent. But yeah, just the way uh, all these characters play out. I think the one who's like most convincing out of all of them is Emily Blunt. But even she has very little to do. Just like this like rough and tough woman, ar- archaeologist or something like that. Well, not actually archaeologist. She says she's a, a, a doctor of botany, which is probably the most odd like um, career opportunity when you're also trying to become an become like an explorer or something like that she also has uh her brother uh, this is jack whitehall's character who's like rich and very careless but but he's also um scared scared to death of many things or whatnot he he is also uh whether or like it or not the first explicitly gay character in a disney movie i mean you can see little bits of uh lefou and the live action beauty and the beast or the female cop and onward just like little handsome was like oh they're gay but this is the one where he kind of explicitly comes out as gay in the movie now i'm not saying this as like an offense or anything i don't want to offend anybody in general i i'm just letting my own opinion slide out i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings okay yeah, the brother character, it, it, he's not only the gay character, but he's also like the comedic relief. And in fact, almost all the jokes in this movie don't land. He like um, he and Dwayne Johnson's jokes, they're, they're just very like dumbed down. They're like jokes like you get, but they're, they're just very lackluster and not very funny at all. This movie is heavily bloated with CGI. Oh my goodness. You you the you it's like very like noticeable and you're just looking at this artificial world and it it somehow just like doesn't make any sense. Like it just doesn't feel realistic at all. It it it's very like jarring to look at. It's um very noticeable in some areas, but yeah. And then you have this like backstory when you figure out who Dwayne Johnson's character really is, which I won't spoil if you haven't seen it. But when you find out, it was like, oh no, we're going this route and all that stuff. But yeah, and well, I actually did see it coming a mile away. Um, I, I I would probably say I don't know, but at at least the movie is like oddly entertaining to look at. Like it does what it says to do whether whether or not you uh would um enjoy this movie but yeah it there's like some odd like like entertaining scenes like there's this one scene early on in the film where they're trying to uh, avoid prince joaquin's uh submarine this is uh jesse plemons character and uh they they just like have to like uh uh, get rid of a torpedo that's like coming towards them or something like that. That is probably like the most entertaining scene I would find. But yeah, this is uh, this is very odd. You you set up uh, Prince Joaquin's character, Jesse Plemons' character, as this main antagonist, but then all of a sudden you get these like cursed Spanish conquistadors that 
show up later in the movie, and then all of a sudden, Jesse Plemons is somehow reduced to a secondary antagonist role, and then, like, who is really the main antagonist overall? Is it the cursed Spanish conquistadors, or is it the the ruthless German Kaiser? Well, the son, well, the son of a German Kaiser, I would say. But yeah, this this movie was just complete was kind of a mess, I would say. It it's it's a mess, but it's an entertaining mess. I will point it at that. Yeah. <sighs> but anyway, oh my goodness, like, at you know where this story is gonna go. It's super predictable, super predictable. I I mean. I don't want to go on about this movie for too long, but yeah, this movie costs $200 million to make a little over two hours long. I, they should have like cut the budget to this by like, I don't know, 125 million like tops. Like, nope, it should not like uh, go beyond that, but at least Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, I do like uh, their chemistry in it and all that stuff. Another thing I would like to point out is the score. This is by James Newton Howard. It's not a very like a memorable score like a Pirates of the Caribbean. It's trying to like swell you in on the music and trying to like uplift you or something like that. And it's and it's trying so hard to do. I I watched this movie again with my family, um, and there's like one point where the score just like swells up and it just feels out of place and it, and all of a sudden i looked at them and was like since when did the score become so heavy metal for for some odd reason i don't know that that score alone it it just was uh i don't know kind of off-putting in a way this movie i i was very hesitant uh watching it because i, I mean movies based on disneyland theme park attractions they're 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 like hit or miss i would say i i i think mostly misses overall the first pirates of the caribbean was something completely interesting and and then people were like oh something like this can be done and then they had and then they had the haunted mansion with eddie murphy which is not good they had uh tomorrowland which is kind of a mixed bag in my opinion and but then you also have the pirates of the caribbean sequels which get bloated and just like don't make any sense from sequel to sequel to sequel to that point where i'm just like yeah let's be done with all the pirates of the caribbean movies but yeah this is try this is disney trying to get people out of their buck just for a nice entertaining value i mean if if you're going to watch this movie and i'm probably sure most of you have because it's not only playing in theaters but it's also available on disney plus if you with premiere access if you want to pay the 30 dollar fee but from the people that have seen this movie, well, at least close closer to friends and family of this, they I'm in like the vast minority. Like everybody else that have seen this movie, they they pretty much liked it. Like they, they thought it's it says what it has to do. It does what I need to do. It's but overall, I I wanted more Paul Giamatti. I wanted to I wanted him to be the secondary antagonist instead and just have him and Jesse Plemons just like form this like bond or something like that. But yeah, I I mean I want more Paul Giamatti next time. And then uh if if they make a sequel, I want more Paul Giamatti. But oh, overall, uh I, I I wanted to like this movie, but I ultimately it, it just left me cold. It it it's entertaining in its own right, but in, in terms of a story, it it 
does nothing new. It feels very hollow, and I was ma majorly disappointed. But yeah, anyway, those are my thoughts on Jungle Cruise. Again, it is playing in theaters and is available on Disney Plus for 30 bucks. But anyway, guys, that's it for my thoughts on Jungle Cruise. And now let's get to Stillwater. Stillwater is the seventh feature film from co-writer director Tom McCarthy, who previously helmed the dramas The Station Agent, The Visitor, Win-Win, and the Oscar-winning Spotlight, as well as the Adam Sandler comedy drama The Cobbler and the family film Timmy Failure Mistakes Were Made. The film stars Matt Damon as Bill Baker, a blue-collar worker from the titular town in Oklahoma who travels to France to help his estranged daughter Allison, played by Abigail Breslin, who's currently in prison for a murder she did not commit. In the midst of this, he enlists the help of a local, a theater actress named Virginie, played by Camille Cotton, who helps, who helps Bill trying to find possible answers to free his daughter. The film also stars Deanna Dunnigan and Lilu Sjelvand, who plays Virginie's eight-year-old daughter, Maya. Now, to tell you this, this is loosely based off of the Amanda Knox story. For those of you who don't know who Amanda Knox is, she is she uh, is an exchange student from America who was uh, studying in school in Italy, and she was involved in a murder that she did not commit as well, and she was serving prison time in Italy as well. This is basically uh, a loose interpretation of that, and even Amanda Knox herself uh, just like personally denounced the film and its creators. Uh, telling the story is like completely wrong and all that stuff. And, and I'm just like, well, Hollywood's been making movies that are just like inspired by like those true events and all that stuff. And in actuality, nobody really cares unless if you're like super political, but I'm not super political and whatnot. But yeah, that I, I just want to get like my two cents on that and what um, the story and what it's based on over in general. But yeah, I don't want to get too involved in that. But anyway, I think this is Matt Damon's best performance since The Martian, in my personal opinion. He is kind of a, he plays this blue collar worker who's like a recovering addict and recovering alcoholic and whatnot. And um, he's trying to do the best. You find out like, uh, like 15 minutes in, like he's, he's like done this before visiting his daughter in prison. Who's in Marseille. This movie, it, it's, it's really interesting because even though it's loosely based on the Amanda Knox story, I think Damon's acting and uh, the direction of Tom McCarthy still what make is what makes it like an amazing crime drama overall. It, I wouldn't call it amazing per se, but it this was marketed as a thriller, but it it plays out more like a drama. But yeah, and he helps out with uh, the French. Uh, theater actress Camille Cotton and uh, her character has this daughter play uh, once again played by Lulu Salvad. sorry excuse me but yeah th this is basically um, this is basically Damon's character trying to like adapt into like uh, this outside world that he's like not too familiar with there's like this like one uh, brief uh a uh, joke of where um, one one of uh, the French woman's friend is like, "Did you vote for Trump?" And it was like, "No, I couldn't vote because if you're a criminal, you you don't have the right to vote anymore." Abigail Breslin, she's fine 
in the film, but but I but it this movie is heavily centering on Matt Damon and what he's trying to do with this material overall. And I love Tom McCarthy's Spotlight. I I think I called it like the best movie of 2015. Um and it won Best Picture at the Academy Awards, deservedly so. But this is nowhere near the level of spotlight that I was hoping for it to be. I think the score by Michael Dana is pretty interesting. I will give it that. That's like another good uh, uh, positive to it. But the movie is really long. It's like almost two and a half hours. And it feels like I was in there for like, um, I don't know, uh, three. The story... It, it's kind of all over the place. It, it's trying to be like a couple different movies as well. Kind of like how I mentioned Jungle Cruise was a couple different movies. And then this, and then Stillwater is trying to be a couple movies. Is it trying to be a thriller? Is it trying to be a family drama? Is it trying to be a crime drama? You have no idea. But it, it does something interesting like two thirds of the way through. And then you kind of get invested because... The pacing drags like here and there and all that stuff. And um, but but by the end of it, I'm I'm just like, eh, like I th I think Matt Damon's character, he is a very despicable character. But but then by the end of it, I just like kind of forgave it. But then again, the ending, it it, it wasn't a good ending, in my opinion. And in fact, the, the biggest qualms that I have is uh, there are some scenes that play out where like I knew where. It was gonna settle it's not like completely terrible but it, i was expecting this movie to be better but overall um i i again i like matt damon i like camille cotan abigail breslin's fine i think it's a really interesting movie i like the little girl played by lulu siavand who plays uh uh the theater actress's daughter and uh and then she and Matt Damon's character just like kind of form this like special bond where she tries to learn English words and then uh, she teaches him French words and all that stuff. Like like those scenes like are very cute. But then when it gets to like the thriller aspect, you you just feel like oh, okay, this is gonna be a little. I, I I wouldn't like call it a little too interesting, but it 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 gets you there. But but anyway. Um, I, I really don't have too much to say on this movie, but I, I will say, though, if you are going to go to this movie, you should go for Matt Damon's performance alone. But otherwise, and, and Tom McCarthy is is a pretty interesting director. I haven't seen all of his movies, but from the ones that I've seen, he 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 knows how to like tell like very humane stories and how the human spirit and the human condition, whereas Spotlight was more like a movie about investigative journalism this is more of kind of like a family aspect um, with with like the crime involved and and whatnot. But yeah, um, but yeah, it is currently playing in theaters. Again, all those uh, clips I have aside, it's way too long. Uh, there are some scenes that play out where you kind of know where it's going to go and all that stuff. And I wasn't a big fan of the ending overall. And I thought Abigail Breslin was just okay. But yeah, those are my thoughts on Stillwater. And now let's get to my review of Nine Days. Nine Days is the feature film debut of Japanese-Brazilian writer-director Edson Oda. The film takes place in a pre-existence world where an arbiter named Will, played by Winston Duke, spends his days watching the points of view of people going about their daily lives until one perishes, leaving a vacancy for a new life on Earth. 
Soon, several candidates, which are also unborn souls, are, they arrive to undergo determining their fitness and facing oblivion when they are deemed unsuitable. The process... The process is, the title suggests, nine days, but Will soon faces his own existential challenge in the form of the free-spirited Emma, played by Zazie Beetz, a candidate who is not like the others, forcing him to turn within and reckon with his own tumultuous past. Fueled by unexpected power, he discovers a bold new path forward in his own life. The film also stars Benedict Wong, David Reisdahl, Ariana Ortiz, Tony Hale, and Bill Skarsgård. So this was the movie that I saw back in the fall of last year. This was a movie that came out at Sundance. It was like one of the big hot titles to come out. It was like one not to miss, one that everyone should see. And I was originally going to see it at the Hamptons Film Festival, but because it was screened at like a region and in a part of the United States, like it was like a part of New England, I just... Uh, my internet, my computer, it just wouldn't uh, screen for me. But luckily, though, it was also screening at the AFI Fest, and that's how I first watched this movie. But anyway, this is a really enthralling uh, film. Like, this is a part, this is one of those movies, this is one of those movies where we rarely, like, see... Um, like we've we've seen movies that deal with like the afterlife, whether it's like Albert Brooks's Defending Your Life or Hirokazu Koreeda's Afterlife, which I haven't seen both of those movies, but they are uh, in the Criterion Collection. I believe Afterlife will be coming out this month on Blu-ray, but it's also having like similar themes to Pixar's Soul in terms of like um, with both the afterlife and then the pre-existing world and all that stuff. But pre-existing as a main topic is really interesting and hasn't been dealt with all that often. But yeah, it's a really uh, enriching concept. It is ethereal. It is, it, it's, it's a very interesting movie. I'll say it at that. The way uh, you see um, Winston Duke's character seeing all those, uh, lives these point of views how they're all played off they're like through vhs tapes and you get to see all the point of views of like a, a couple different people including one that he like cherishes so much but then somehow sadly gets involved in a in in, in some type of accident i would say without going into too much detail but this this is I'm going to keep saying the word interesting a lot because it's a very interesting movie. When I first saw it, the biggest issue that I have, and I am determined to see this movie again at some point in my life, but the first time I watched it, the biggest problem that I had is that it is a slog. It's a little over two hours. It felt like I was watching a movie that's like three hours long, but I think that is done deliberately just to like, uh, experience like how all the characters are going through and whatnot. You get to see some of the candidates like Tony Hale and Bill Skarsgård and Zazie Beetz and all that. And Zazie Beetz is the free will spirit of them all. Bill Skarsgård is like determined on whether or not um, if having a life on earth is very meaningful. There's a, a character played by Benedict Wong who who i wouldn't call like a drifter but he just like appears in and out from time to time and all that stuff i i would like to see a little more characteristics uh from that character in general 
But yeah, the the acting is extraordinary. The direction is amazing. This won the screenplay award at the Sundance Film Festival, and it it's a really good script as well. But yeah, you get to feel the heavy emotion and all that stuff just like go through your soul. And this is a movie that can just like reconfigure what you think about life in general. But yeah, this is a really, really interesting. I'm going to say the word interesting again and over and over again as I'm doing this review. But yeah, it it's it's incredible. But but again, the the pacing of the film just like it it was like a slog and i was like somehow bored by it when i first watched it but looking upon looking back upon it i'm i'm thinking to myself yeah i have second thoughts and i think it it does it deliberately enough and i think benedict wong's character uh who actually got a spirit indie spirit nomination for this movie which is somehow strange because they the indie spirit awards they nominate movies that have not gone out to the general public and they just like nominate them for some odd reason it it's very weird but yeah it it's a very powerful you can get emotional at times while watching this movie but winston duke he can like act like for those of you who don't know who winston duke is he plays mbaku in the marvel cinematic universe he was in black panther and he had small roles in avengers infinity war and avengers endgame and he also played lupita nyong'o's husband in us the jordan peele movie from a couple years back and even though i think us is a better movie i think this is winston duke's best performance acting wise he is I, I, I think saying the word tour de force just sounds like a cliche, but it, it's probably his best work as an actor, in my opinion. There's a final scene where he just recites a Walt Whitman poem, and it's just he it just shows how incredible he is. If you're going to see this movie, go for Winston Duke alone. Zazie Beats is really interesting as well, an interesting character overall. I, I would like to give like a little more acting on her, just like a little more line delivery, just to like have a little more meaningful aspect in a way. But yeah, I I mean, the the further that I'm like ecstatic to see, um, I, I mean, I do want to see this movie again. Don't get me wrong. It's just I'm, I'm saying all my thoughts because the way I first saw it, like, back in October. I saw this movie all the way back last October during a virtual film festival run. I'm going to keep rephrasing the words over and over again of what my overall thoughts are. But yeah, if you do go see Nine Days, it's for the cast and the the craftsmanship alone. It's got really good cinematography and good editing as well. But yeah, and, and a good production design as well. Like there's a couple points where he just like makes uh, some of the candidates own dreams and just uses like a drape and there's like a projector going on. Like it, it, it's really interesting, but yeah, check, check out nine days. If you haven't, it is currently playing in New York and LA, but it will expand nationwide this Friday. But anyways, anyway, guys, those are my thoughts on nine days. And now let's start our review roundup. So if you guys are new to the review roundup or you need a little bit of refresher, I grade the movies on a scale from 0 to 10. If I give a movie somewhere between an 8 to a 10, it is a high recommendation. Somewhere between a 7 to a 7.9, it is still a recommendation, just as not as high as an 8 to a 10. Somewhere between a 6 to a 6.9, I would say it's fine to just 
mediocre, not mediocre, but just okay in general. 5 to 5.9 is mediocre or just like average, middle of the road, if you want to call it that. And if I give a movie somewhere below a 5, I would just not bother. Just like don't don't watch it in general. But anyway, 9 Days, I initially uh, gave the film, when I first saw it at AFI Fest uh, last October, I initially gave it a 6.5 out of 10. But now I'm upping it the more I think about it and how interesting the filmmaking is overall again i'm gonna see this again and have a different take on it sometime soon but i'm gonna up it to a 7.5 out of 10 and it's probably the pick of the week i would say again it's only currently playing in new york and la but it will expand this friday nationwide Stillwater, i would probably give a six and a half out of ten yeah, I was at a seven for a little bit, but then I, the more I thought about it, it was like, yeah, I didn't really like that ending. And Abigail Breslin is like, okay, in general, but not like super great or whatnot. But yeah, six and a half out of 10. And it, and it's very long again. <clears throat> Sorry, hold on. And then Jungle Cruise. I mean, this was like a complete mixed bag overall, but it's like an entertaining mess of a movie. Like it, it does what it needs to do on the box, and I. But overall, it did nothing new. But at least the charisma of both Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt kind of kept this movie from being completely bad. And for that, I give it a. Well, I, I'll give it a five out of ten, just like split down in the middle overall. So yeah, those are the new releases for the week. And now let's end the show and call it a day. That does it for this week's episode of Film Etc. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe and follow the show on all the many places that we stream, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. Please leave a five-star review and tell your friends all about it. Spread the word of mouth. I'll be back next week with reviews of The Suicide Squad, which is kind of a follow-up to Suicide Squad, but it has a the in the title. Anyway, it is directed by James Gunn, who did both the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, so I'm excited for that, as well as a Val Kilmer documentary on Amazon simply called Val. And so with that being said, you guys can follow me on social media at RealMikeWeb on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. You can also follow the show on Instagram at FilmETCCast. Thank you all so much for listening. Please stay safe. Get vaccinated if you can. Wash your hands. That Delta variant is going in strong and the numbers are rising very quickly. But until next time, I will see you all at the cinema.